friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your host, Kayla, and uh, super excited to have joining me today, as all days, my twin, Kali J. Quack, quack, baby. And never has that been more prescient than today. Quack, quack. <laughs> um, today, well, this is a special episode. It is, for you. For me, because when this comes out, it will be my birthday week. Hey. What? Happy birthday. Ah! <laughs> really? Happy birthday. Hell yeah. I'm feeling wild because not only is it my birthday episode, uh-huh. but it's been eight days since we recorded last. <laughs> and that just means it's been too long and I'm excited to do the podcast. <laughs> Oh my god, that's a normal amount of time. <laughs> oh, once we start hitting like five or so, I start getting the itch. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, y'all will remember for Kali's birthday, we did Kali's fave movie, No Questions Asked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't love it, but uh, yeah, you had, it was a Yeah, you birth- had a wrong opinion about it. And... <laughs> it was a birthday present for Kali. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to have a fight for his birthday. And so for my birthday, I also picked a movie, No Holds Barred, that I wasn't, I didn't know if Kali would like or not, but I'm feeling optimistic, maybe. Yeah. So this could be cool. I picked the 2016 film, The Ornithologist. I originally watched this movie around Christmas time, uh, so a few months ago. It was actually... Recommended to me by uh, pal of the pod, Mike Saunders, past guest, who, when he sent it to me, said something along the lines of, this movie seems like basically your entire vibe. Yeah. And uh, I'm inclined to agree, I think. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing it's missing from your vibe, I would say, is you Mm -hmm. you have like, like, yeah, your self-aware kind of cheesy fun part. Not that Mm -hmm. this movie isn't fun. But this movie yeah. is very se- is serious throughout. Super serious, yeah, yeah for the most part. Um, there is one little playful spot, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty curious. serious. Oh, you know what? what? A lot of this movie was very playful for me. I enjoyed yeah. a lot of this movie, and I'll explain why once we get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess let's just dive into the cast and shit. Hell yeah. This movie was made by a filmmaking duo uh, Joao Pedro Rodriguez and Joao Rui Guerra da Mata, who have made a lot of movies together. They've been making movies together for like 25 years or something. Hell yeah. So for this particular movie, uh, they wrote it together. Uh, Joao Rui did the art direction and uh, Joao Pedro directed the film. And he also plays the character Antonio later in the film. And okay. side fact, not to bring up relaxer... But <laughs> it's your birthday. The character Joao in <laughs> yeah, it is my birthday. The character Joao in Relaxer, who shows up at the end of the movie, is named after these two filmmakers. Fun fact. Hell yeah. Okay, and then in the main lead starring role is Paul Amy. And I'll I'll have more notes on the lead role later. Okay. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna wait until we get into the movie to bring up more. So Kali, tell us what the critic scores are. Cricket scores are looking good in the neighborhood. Metacricket, 
We're looking at an 85. Yes, nice. Based on 14 critics. Rotten Tomatoes, we got 87%. <laughs> I'm not even going to look at how many that's out of. Like how, no, oh, how many critics? Be. How many uh, reviews? <laughs> how many critics? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Google users? Yeah. 64%. Mm. Yeah. That's about what I expect. I like, guess, yeah. I guess that would be what I expect, although I don't feel like it's reflective of the movie. No, I agree. It is reflective of a general audience. What I would Agreed. expect from a general audience opinion. Yeah, I sure. wouldn't show this movie to my mom. Yep, there's your metric. <laughs> there's my metric. My mom wouldn't like it. Y- yeah, if you're if you're into sort of a more art house, artsy, slow vibe kind of movie. Yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> if you, there's a lot going on. Okay. Um. So in lieu of watching the trailer, because this movie is mainly in Portuguese, I'm gonna have Kali read a plot summary. As he treks through the north of Portugal in search of rare birds, Fernando is swept away by the river rapids. Rescued by a couple of Chinese pilgrims, he tries to find his way back home through the eerie dark forests where uncanny encounters put him to the test. Yeah, that's what I had read about this movie. Because you'd recommended this to me prior. and Mm -hmm, Probably so. I think I I looked at, yeah, just the letterbox... Summary is like stranded along a sublime river fjord in northern Portugal, an ornithologist is subjected to a series of brutal and erotic Stations of the Cross-style tests. Whoa, I kind of like that one better. <laughs> it's really interesting, but it, uh, it sets the movie up, though. Oh, it, yeah. It's a, it's a high bar to live up to. Yeah, it's too good of a <laughs> plot summary. <laughs> yeah, comparing what he goes through as a Stations of the Cross series of mm-hmm. tasks is yeah. not inaccurate um i would say yeah you put two and two together on this movie well you put like two four six and like whatever background history of catholicism you have laying around together and (laughs) you realize like oh this movie is like eerily linked to saint anthony or it's like Mm -hmm. very referential to saint anthony over and over what's going on there and that's what like that's a huge thing that dragged me in sorry i'm getting ahead of things but (laughs) Well, yeah, we can start with the setup for this movie. I feel like there's kind of a, a lot of setup yeah. for where this movie comes from, the idea comes from, and kind of what it's based on. So you already mentioned St. Anthony. As a Catholic schoolboy, yeah. <laughs> what do you know about St. Anthony? Very li- Mostly little and anecdotal, but uh, Catholics love St. Anthony modern day Catholics especially, just because he's the patron saint of lost things, lost people, the lost. Mm-hmm. And so if you lose your keys, say a little prayer to St. Anthony. My mm-hmm. my stepmom does it all the time. Drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> Can't fucking stand it. She says, Saint Saint Tony, Saint Tony, something, something. It's a rhyme. Not Tony. <laughs> and it makes me just want to like. Hey, we're Italian. <laughs> no, it makes me disrespect the Italian, I guess. <laughs> No, but then I, I I was racking my head and I was like, I it's very hard to keep all the fucking saints separated. Sure. There are 10,000 saints. Did you know that? I never knew that. I mean, I, I had Googled to memorize. <laughs> I wrote a lot of reports on a lot of saints for a lot of bullshit purposes and mm-hmm. very little stuck with me. But St. Anthony, that's really all I knew. I knew he was Franciscan, a Franciscan monk. And mm-hmm. that, yeah, I read his Wikipedia page after the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I kind of refreshed my memory a little bit about. I tried to read his Wikipedia. I'll tell you, shit's boring as fuck. 
You want to know the worst thing? Is I, I love that shit. Yeah. I love reading. It's just like, oh shit, he wasn't initially a Franciscan. He went, he was in a different monastic order. See, like three of those words already just made my eyes close a little bit. <laughs> it's boring. But like it to me, it's like yeah, I'll say it. It's like it's like people who are fascinated with like World War Two and Nazi history. Yeah, it's like you gotta know what the bad guys are doing. What's all this? What's all? What's all? It's fucked up with these people. Like, what are they worshiping? Yeah. What do they do all day? And it's like especially like Catholic history. Holy mm. shit! Been riddled with like fucking disregard for human bodies. Yeah, uh, they got no respect. True. The Catholic Church <laughs> got no respect uh, from me. And that's why we cannot back them. <laughs> I do not. I, I would never back the Catholic. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And actually, neither does the filmmakers here. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> they are not religious at all. <laughs> so the main character in this film is very loosely based on St. Anthony. Also, the movie is a bit autobiographical as well. The director, Joao Pedro, mm-hmm. wanted to be an ornithologist when he was a kid. So before he ever studied cinema, he mm. studied biology. And he was like trying to catalog all the birds around where he lived and stuff like <sighs> that. that. Rules. Yeah. And so he says that when he was about 15, he started becoming obsessed with cinema. And his obsession with cinema kind of replaced his obsession with birds and ornithology Mm -hmm. so this film for him was a way for him to capture that spirit from his childhood and also he says that this film is deeply personal to him because it retraces a place from which he deviated on his own path towards cinema Hmm. Um, so in a way he's following the steps that he took but now He's a different person, and also by the end of the movie, our main character is a different person. Yeah, <laughs> in many ways. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> also, I have no idea what happened for like the probably the last third of this movie. So I think I mentioned um, a while back, maybe in our Under the Skin episode, how I was getting super into these movies that like that are slow, that you get to live with the character, and also that are so. Maybe so smart that you kind of have to do research on them to even understand kind of what's going on. (laughs) Almost similar to Under the Skin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, why I brought it up in that episode. But really, one of the first movies that popped into my mind, even when I was saying that, was this movie. Um, (laughs) Because it's certainly like, yeah, you kind of have to look into it to really... To fully understand what's happening. But I don't hold anything against the movie itself for being that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't sure. detract from my experience watching no. it. I don't I don't feel, like, left of something. No. I, in my initial letterbox review, I, I edited it because I felt it was really mean. But I called this movie up its own ass a little bit. Mm. And I didn't totally mean it as, like, insult. Because, like, I enjoy things that are up its own ass sometimes. I love movies that posit something big they in this movie posit something very fucking big mm-hmm. it's a heavy idea it's a lot to grapple with for the audience and it it expects a lot that's what i'm getting at if you're a movie that expects a lot of the audience you take a lot of creative liberties you paint with fine detail but also broad strokes into kind of that a casual viewer isn't going to enjoy you know? Yeah. And that's fine. That's not to say, like, this movie isn't exclusionary, I wouldn't think. It's just, 
watched oh, how do I, i'm off track i'm off track <laughs> i think that it's what he's done here is just like something that's pertinent to his own interests and is also deeply personal to him mm-hmm. but also is very just a beautiful piece of art and Absolutely. i think um so what the director has said about religion and religious imagery that kind of grabs him was that he learned a lot about biblical stories through art because he's not religious and what's curious to him is how painters chose the specific moments in the saints lives to depict and how they show the saints before they were saints when they were just human beings and how often those depictions are erotic and sexual even and the mix of the sacred and the profane together yeah. is something that he finds really fascinating and i it's something that he brings into this movie totally so yeah he's just kind of taking in art and then making his own expression of it as well um and including part of his personal story meshed with this saint's story as well mm-hmm. it really I mean, it just is like a very personal piece of art. Yeah. Um, which Let's, is cool. Yeah. <laughs> which is badass. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's the why, I guess. Okay. So when we get into the actual movie of this, the notes I have to bring in on Paul and me mm-hmm. are that uh, Joao Pedro Rodriguez actually dubbed all of his voice throughout this movie so all of the thought it sounded a little, all of the voice yeah. that you see from the main character is actually joao pedro's voice so it's all adr yeah yeah they said they they casted him because he has a very instinctive acting ability and he doesn't depend on words so much which i also find to be true he's very good actor just like being just living you know yeah yeah but you know towards the end of the movie we'll just go ahead and spoil it because there's just no way i can't talk about yeah, it yeah 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 <laughs> Towards the end of the movie, the main character turns into being played by Joao Pedro, and Mm -hmm. they said that he shot the scenes both with Paul and with himself, just in case he didn't like seeing himself. (laughs) But it came together, and then it followed that he would dub his own voice over Paul and me's voice. And it's kind of the idea that he's already inside of that body ready to come out. He says his body's already inhabited by me and I'm also inhabited by his body. So it's sort of like a body double involving both flesh and voice, hmm. which I think is a really cool way to look at it. But he also did say that Paul and me is French and uh, his Portuguese accent just Sucks. wasn't good. <laughs> he said he tried to learn and, you know, he did what he could, but he's like, you know, he doesn't sound Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> sure. Uh, so there was also that. But I do like that idea of like that he was always inside of him just waiting to come out. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that now because not how that affects my understanding of the movie because i didn't know that was the director yeah that who he turned and i assumed that was saint anthony like a personification of saint anthony or something Um, i mean it it is but it is also the director (laughs) yes 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 but as i said like those two stories the way that he's chosen to put his own story into this movie they are almost the same person artistically does that make sense (laughs) yeah yeah i'm just yeah, you're okay. thinking, you're thinking, the wheels are turning. <laughs> okay, so when we start the movie, <laughs> uh, we have Polly Me in the boat. Well, 
So his character name is also Fernando, which is St. Anthony's actual name, Fernando. Mm-hmm. So Fernando, I guess, is in this boat bird watching. Best part of the movie. No yeah. joke. This is the high- <laughs> The first 15 minutes is just birds, and I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you also, the first time I watched this movie- I did not know what an ornithologist was, so I was like, what's the deal with this guy watching all these birds? I I mean, even, look. This man's obsessed with looking at birds. What's his deal? I get it. I But will... I did Google, and an ornithologist is a bird watcher. Yes. And go ahead and call me one, because I fucking love bird watching. Yeah. I love I didn't think about that when I suggested this movie actually. Not until a couple days ago then I was like, "Oh yeah, maybe Kali will like this movie because he likes birds." I love birds. I thought you might hate this movie actually. <laughs> there there were moments. I it was yeah. up and down. There were parts where I was like that I didn't enjoy and there were a lot of mm-hmm. it was I mostly enjoyed this though. And that rocks. <laughs> yeah. And but the birds seriously. And I'm not it's not like, "Oh, I just love it cuz it's birds." Like, no. The way these birds are shot, yeah. it mm-hmm. is gorgeous, and it's so fucking enjoyable. I l- just loved it. Yeah. My notes are like, birds rock, waterfowl is number one, less human, more birds, please. <laughs> I hate Fernando because he's not a bird. <laughs> Anytime birds aren't on screen, everyone should say, where birds? <laughs> Yeah. So the way that they specifically approached filming the birds and the actors is they wanted the people to have the same importance on screen as the nature. So mm-hmm. that's why we cut so much back to birds and nature and then cut back to the guy, back to the birds, back to the guy. So they have the same level of importance screen wise. Mm-hmm. And also just kind of like where they are is so fucking beautiful. The cinematography here is incredible. Outstanding. Um, They had a very long location scouting process because they wanted to be in the wilderness as much as possible. So they specifically tried to shoot places where people hadn't been for decades, like true wilderness Mm. that had never been... There had never been cameras in these places, you know? And something he was thinking about when he was doing that as well was like, that this film is set in a place that probably hasn't changed since ancient times, you know, since St. Anthony's time or whatever. And it's kind of wild to think that there are places that have been the same for so long. Mm -hmm. He said the landscape belongs to all times and has no time. Yeah, I agree with that. That's That's a beautiful sentiment, yeah. Yeah, And, and yeah, I mean, it is fucking beautiful everywhere they are in this movie. Yes, I agree. Especially the opening. Yeah. Yeah. And how they shoot both from his perspective watching the birds, but also from the bird's perspective that watching was him. Nuts. Nuts as fuck and cool as hell. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it takes you, the first time you see it, you, it doesn't quite register because you're so used to, you know, you see those shots in movies a lot when they're in mm-hmm. big open landscapes like this. You, you do get big, you know, like drone shots. Bird's eye view, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And then second or third time it registers with you. Because you see the, there's a texture difference mm-hmm. to the visual. Um, yeah. The way they're lensing is a little different. Yeah. 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 Outstanding. Yeah. And like maybe there's some stuff there about like, it's not only about how you as a human 
look at nature, but how nature looks at you back. Sure. And maybe also when it's specifically you're thinking of birds, like because this movie is so focused on like religious context or whatever, you know, the birds are up there in the sky, maybe like how God's up there in the sky looking down. I don't know. That could be a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So pretty early on in this movie, he gets a phone call telling him to take his medicine. Yeah. Because of that, pretty much right from the jump, there's some kind of stake there, right? Like of being in nature, if he loses medicine, something could go wrong. And we're worried about his sort of mortality from the start. Yeah. And I also think looking at how they they did dubs, right? They dubbed all of his voice like I said um, I think they did a pretty good job at there's not a ton of dialogue in this anyway but Mm -mm. when he is speaking like the camera doesn't show a lot of his face he's either Mm. shown from behind or in shadow or from afar or with a tape recorder because he is tape recording his stuff so like not a lot of his mouth is shown. Oh. I think that that really served the movie, too, if they were going to do dubs, which they did. Yeah. I think that they really did it smartly so that you don't notice. Because yeah. I never noticed. Uh, the first time I watched it, I had no idea. I had no clue. <laughs> yeah. That makes total yeah. sense. I mean, I can't imagine the whole film back. But yeah, like those all sound like smart ways to prepare for holy shit the work put into dubbing must have been insane yeah Uh, i mean yeah like i said there's not like a ton of dialogue anyway but yeah to get it to sound right sure yeah so he's watching the birds so hard he gets caught up watching this black stork Mm -hmm. super intensely so hard that he gets overtaken by some rapids we see his kayak flip yeah and then we kind of cut away to some women yeah some new not bird characters yeah so like we kind of don't know what's going on with him for a little bit and we're introduced to these two asian women hikers yep or they're specifically chinese women hikers mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them's knee is bleeding yep and they do a a blood tasting yep <laughs> i wrote they are gay blood freaks <laughs> and i was yeah. not wrong <laughs> You're not wrong. The girl freaking gets down, the non-knee bleeding girl gets down on her knees to suck the blood out of the knee. Yes. I still to this day, (laughs) to this moment, don't know why this was happening. Is there a, (laughs) what's the deal? What do you think? They, they, here's the thing. They talk about following St. Anthony. And here's what that gets mixed up is saints in general are not exclusive to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are saints in other uh, sects of Catholicism, what have you. These are two Christian girls. They're Christian, potentially Catholic, but they're into like some... Uh, I would almost <laughs> wager that they're in like a real small branch kind of <laughs> hardcore Catholic. Like Opus Day, if you remember that from fucking... Da Vinci Code. Never seen it. Uh, Well, they're super Catholics. They're hardcore Mm -hmm. Catholics. They like, uh, in the book, they famously like flogged their own backs for Mm, their sins. Okay. So like the thing about these two pilgrims is they are into like, not quite voodoo, but like mystical. It's like Catholic mystical. Mm, mm -hmm. They talk about curses. That's not a thing Catholics believe in. I, yeah, I don't know. They're weird characters. I had a couple of thoughts behind these characters. First of all, that they are, I think, meant to embody 
the spirit of like Christian hypocrisy. <laughs> like we haven't seen that that much up to this point, but like I mean, they freaking capture and torture this man, <laughs> you know. Yes. And a little bit where they're supposed to be good Christian neighbors, right? If they're good Christian girls. And they're also gay together, which is like anti-Christian. Because they are gay blood freaks. They are gay blood freaks. But also, I wondered if there was some kind of subtext to the girls specifically being Chinese because Joao Rui, who is you know, one of the filmmakers grew up Mm. in Macau, which was a Portuguese colony until 1999 when it became a Chinese colony. And they have another movie called The Last Time I Saw Macau. It's like a quasi documentary, loosely, of him going back to Macau after not having been there since he was a kid. And now everything is Chinese and nobody even speaks Portuguese. Oh, Um, fuck. But it was a Portuguese place when he grew up there, you know, so it's like, uh, just totally been overtaken by Chinese huh. culture. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's like something there, but I just felt like I watched these two movies pretty close to each other. And I was like, it seems like there might be something to them specifically being Chinese. Yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense, given the context of mm-hmm. his previous movie, knowing his, his yeah. cultural background, like that they kind of. I guess in a way they kind of try and take over the quote unquote culture of the main character as well. I mean, they completely derailed (laughs) his life, but I mean, it's not like he was really doing great in the first place. Mm. They did technically save him. Yeah. But then they also guilt him into like leading them somewhere. They really get his balls in a bind. (laughs) Literally. Literally. I wrote that. That is a literal note I have. Okay, so first of all, they are lost as hell. They're praying in the woods. There's a picture montage in the movie of their girls' trip, Mm -hmm. uh, which seems to be actually a device that these filmmakers use pretty regularly, is that picture montage scene. So they do eventually stumble upon his body washed up on shore, passed out. Mm -hmm. They CPR him. They seem pretty benevolent at first. Yeah. They give him some strange tea. (laughs) And basically, they say they need his help because they're so lost. They need him to walk them to Santiago, Spain on foot, which is although they are both in the western coast or whatever, they're pretty far apart. It ain't walking distance. (laughs) It ain't walking distance. No. (laughs) He's kind of basically like, no, (laughs) no. Uh, I'll try and help send you in the right direction, but no. And while they're all chilling is the first time that we get the hoots and hollers from the woods. At this point, when I'm hearing the hoots and hollerings, I'm wondering, when do we get into the bird factory? What's the bird factory? I'm just want- I'm wanting to see more birds. Mm. <laughs> so they say that they think that the hoots and hollers are the devil, to which he replies, there's no such thing as the devil or God. And that's kind of when they find out that he's agnostic, I guess. Yeah. And they don't approve. Also in that scene, there was a really cool usage of shadows. Like, do you remember they, Uh, at some points, the action is the shadows of the guy and the two girls on this big rock just lit by the fire. Okay. It's just their shadows. Yeah. And they kind of cut between that and the actual, you know, people of it all. And... First of all, I just think that's cool. It looked cool. <laughs> yeah. But secondly, I was wondering if there was something to that because
because they use shadows again later in the movie when these guys show up again as well. And shadows are a thing in like psychology. I don't know if this is a thing. It's just kind of a theory. Sure. Shadow mind is like your unconscious mind that's supposed to be kind of a link to your more primitive animal instinct. So I don't know if there was like they're trying to say something there with that. But I can't imagine it's unintentional. No. I can't uh, imagine there's nothing behind it. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, these are the kind of directors that literally every shot matters. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> I just thought of something right in the middle of your sentence. <laughs> I forgot to say that a lot of the imagery throughout this movie is in specific reference to specific paintings, mm. um, specific religious paintings. And there is a cool video I found online. I guess I can put it in the show notes, maybe, that um, has side by sides of shots from the movie and paintings. Although uh, I do believe yeah. one of them is wrong because uh, I think it's a different painting but <laughs> but I think they're mostly right and uh, it's pretty cool video it's like four oh, minutes yeah. just that kind of goes on the note of yeah every shot is super intentional yeah so they tell him that they're good Christian girls and he has to sleep outside so he does and when he wakes up the man's tied up in some sick bondage ties very complex and he's just in his whitey tidies yeah and one of the first things that happens so he's tied up standing up alone in his whitey tidies the girls are still in the tent probably asleep Mm -hmm. and one of the first things that happens is that he sees that black stork again oh yeah 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 so the boards are back in town (laughs) i did love this yeah Uh... oh this was my fave so we go back and forth between the bird's perspective looking at him and his perspective looking at the bird a couple times and then he looks down and has sprouted a gigantic boner (laughs) this movie pushed my limits with (laughs) you didn't love that no i surprisingly didn't you love to see pipe (laughs) i do i famously love to see pipe pipe, and i tell you what (laughs) i i don't know was he was he too hot uh i did not find him hot too skinny too skinny he's not skinny he's built he's built like uh the transporter guy what's his name jason statham he's built like jason statham well just like jason statham this guy needs to just accept that he's going bald you love bald guys yeah i love bald bald guys i love bald guys this guy is a coward what we in the bald community call a coward fernando the actor mark emmy or something paul emmy paul emmy coward Shave it off. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like he's, he doesn't seem that bald in real life. No, no, he's, he's got a fine head of hair, I think. Uh-huh. He's also um, a male model, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, he is hot. I just didn't, uh, I'm looking at pictures of him now. I don't know. I didn't find him hot in this movie. I can't believe that. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I didn't, I never registered to me while I'm watching this that like, I don't know, none of these people. The entire movie, none of these people was I like, oh, yeah, even later. Yeah. I I don't know. Well, there's not that many people in the movie anyway. There's like five cast members altogether. But uh, I mean, I think Paul Amy is objectively an attractive man. He's obviously a model. Yes. And (laughs) something that's funny is that these guys have another movie, one of their earlier movies, Oh, Phantasma, that is all about a gay guy who has like casual sex constantly Mm -hmm. and if you look at the reviews on that movie they're all like how come the guy from the ornithologist was so hot but the guy from this movie is ugly (laughs) 
basically. <laughs> Damn, drag. They're just like, unlike the ornithologist of Paul Amy, this man is ugly. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's yeah, so rude. <laughs> that's the difference. Oh, should say the filmmakers are also... Uh, they're fam. They're gay. Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Because I did not know. Well, we'll get to it. Never mind. Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> this is like literally bondage porn. He's all tied up in those ropes like a bondage porn. He's got a big old bony in there. Yeah. Trying to struggle himself free and just muscles, you know, rippling here and there. It truly like the scene's probably on Pornhub. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> You know, I just did, maybe I was straight, I was cis-blinded or something, and I was just like, I was just watching it, I was like, is t- why, are we, why are we hanging out on this? I was like... <laughs> That's, uh, this one's for the boys, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just like, why, cut to him getting out of here. What are we doing hanging out? We got birds to see. <laughs> Kelly's too straight for the film. <laughs> It did. Okay, I, I, I gotta hold back. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay, so a full day passes. They go back to sleep. He can't sleep because he's tied up standing up. He tries to, but it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And eventually he does wriggle out. Yeah. Sneaks around, gathering his stuff. And he does overhear the girls saying, tomorrow he'll get what he deserves. We'll castrate him. So he's getting out just in the nick of time because they were going to yep. chop those little nuggets off one of the first things he does after escaping is mm-hmm. have diarrhea <laughs> my man shits <laughs> oh boy yeah i bet you felt seen by this <laughs> yeah oh boy we love a diarrhea scene and i don't know if that's from the tea or it could be from whatever disease he has or his withdrawal from his meds. And does he have, what are his meds, IBS meds? I don't know. Like maybe he's an IBS king you know, having diarrhea. I feel like if you are, and I, I look, I, I think hiking and camping are very cool. I, yeah. I enjoy both. But I feel like if you're in the woods more than three or four days, you just, yeah. you get diarrhea. You, That's it just probably happens. fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it does seem like, so... I would think being in the woods for extended periods of time, the reason you would get diarrhea is because you're surviving off the wilderness, yeah, whatever, yeah. The, the fruits and things, it's mm-hmm. too much. But it does seem like up until this point, he still has people food. Like he still has like some, a bag of granola or something yeah, that he's yeah. eating and stuff like that. So I don't feel like he would be to the point of like eating too many apples diarrhea yet, but could also be stress. Could be any number of things. It also doesn't Lord knows. Matter. We don't know yeah. what's going on down there. <laughs> Let's spend seven minutes deciding why he has diarrhea. Yeah. Very okay. That's how you know this is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> So now that he's ta- had time to um sort of take stock of where he's at and what's going on. He has no map. He doesn't have his medicine. And we do see a text from Sergio. We're assuming his boyfriend or husband. He does a wedding ring, so probably husband. We see some text from him saying, don't forget your medicine. I like you better alive. Smiley face. (laughs) So the stakes continue. (laughs) What are you chuckling? (laughs) The stakes continue. The stakes continue. 
were worried about his mortality. I was not worried about this guy. <laughs> I was like... You just know if he doesn't take his medicine, something bad could happen to him. Look, by the point the bondage happens, I was mm-hmm. like... I think at that point I knew, like, yeah, this is a weird movie. Yeah. And so I was like, mortality, shmortality. This guy, <laughs> we need to, like, is he alive now? <laughs> is, is any of this real? Mm, yeah. So once he takes stock of, you know, he has no phone signal, no map, very little supplies, no medicine. Yeah. We just kind of get a while of him kind of hanging in nature, sort of defeated. What am I going to do next? Yeah. And actually, while they were scouting locations for this movie, the car broke down in the middle of the wilderness. And the director mentioned just having that feeling that nature is kind of stronger than you think it is. It's a little stronger than you, maybe. Sure. It always <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. And like... It's not something you really have to take that much stock of until you're in the middle of the wilderness, alone, your only transportation breaks down, you know, uh, sort of thing. And then suddenly you get that feeling like, yeah, this world is stronger than me. (laughs) I don't know. Just kind of cool and something to think about. And I think something he tried to also put into this movie once he felt it, you know. And I think you kind of get that here when he's sitting there with no supplies yeah. <laughs> just kind of like i'm in this world with nothing to eat don't know where i am can't call anybody kind of shit yeah totally so right after this he stumbles on a site where uh he says a strange ritual took place <laughs> and that's when he finds his id with the eyes burnt out oh yeah his empty backpack the other half of the boat and uh, some trees with balloons on them it's a whole scene there yeah and his phone still isn't working he finally finds the beach where he started but all of his stuff is gone, including his car. And so it's just getting like more and more hopeless, kind of. Yeah. yeah. There's even a helicopter for a minute that he can't catch, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's just more and more hopeless for a while. And so it's one of these nights when he's camping that he starts to see the silhouettes on the tent of the demon guys and the fire screaming, hooting and hollering. Mm-hmm. So these guys are, see if I can say this, carrietos. Carretto tradition is a Celtic religious ritual that is still practiced in some regions of Portugal. These are masked young men who dress in suits made of colorful fringe wool quilts, wearing brass, leather, or wooden masks and rattles in their belts. Mm. And they go out during the week of Ash Wednesday. So they normally go out on Shrove Tuesday, which I guess is the day before Ash Wednesday. Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, all that. And they go out on the prior Sunday. They appear in groups from every corner of the village, running and shouting, hooting and hollering, as they say, and they... I mean me, Um, frightening people, robbing wineries, and they also target single girls in a fertility ritual, which you can maybe imagine what that might mean. Uh, It's a sort of initiation for unmarried boys. So once you're married, you no longer get to participate. And uh, during these (laughs) celebrations, they can pretty much go crazy and do whatever they want. (laughs) Cool. Sounds great. Yeah. So Joao Pedro was inspired by westerns that he would watch when he was young Mm -hmm. in the thought of bringing these guys into this movie he thought that they would kind of resemble indians in westerns with their rituals that the white characters don't understand and think are scary right (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Now that you bring that up, the even the way it's shot is very Western. Yeah. This scene is like from a Western. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It does feel that Until way. Until we get to the piss. <laughs> yeah. So he's just kind of spying on what they're doing, trying not to be seen. He doesn't know if they're dangerous or what. And one of them splits from the group and goes up onto a cliff, which is right above him, and pees. Mm -hmm. And pees directly on him. But he can't move. (laughs) Okay. So he just get peed. He get peed on. He basks in it. He doesn't try and He has a full golden shower. He doesn't try and You think that's another porno thing? (laughs) I, at this point, I was like. Are they exploring their kinks? (laughs) I was just like, what the fuck? Basking in the full piss is a weird move. I think he was too scared to make a noise. These guys seem really in tune with the nature and stuff. Like here in a minute, they like hear a pig from across the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he doesn't even like grip up against the wall or like shift his torso to any side or like move his (laughs) neck out of the way. He just like it's going on his What if he crunched a leaf or something? They're so close. They could just kill him. okay. You can literally tilt your head and not make noise. (laughs) My man, like, turns into it. He's like, oh, it's piss bath? Oh, no. He had a little golden shower. He did. And I honestly, like, earnestly questioned if he enjoyed it. Yeah. And maybe he did. I mean, we already saw him do bondage porn. And the bondage porn was also supposed to be, like, a torturous device for him, right? But... It oh, is yeah. pornographic imagery. This is por- yeah, getting pissed on is pornographic. I mean to some people, yeah. I mean so is you know, bondage to some people. That's it's what not I'm to saying, everybody. Yeah. We yeah. got, got through lines. Okay. Oh my god, okay. holy shit. And including <laughs> what the next thing is, they're all like sexual taboos. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah, you're right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um yeah, so the next scene, he wakes up on the beach by a dog, looks up and sees a boy sucking a goat's tit. <laughs> sucking on a goat titty. <laughs> Which, yeah, bestiality. Yep, exactly. Wow. This is a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. Just incredible. Depicting sexual taboos. Yeah, that rocks. And that goes back to that, what did we say? The intersection between the sacred and the profane. Yeah. That's so cool. And of course, the guy sucking the goat's tit is Jesus. <laughs> we find out before that that he's deaf. Yes. And the moment that I found out he was deaf, I just wrote, swear to God if he fucks this deaf guy. <laughs> Why? Why did that bum you out? I don't know. I was just, because he seemed Callie so- was being so straight today. <laughs> I know. Well, he seemed so mean to Jesus. Well, I think the thing was, at first he thinks that Jesus is a hearing person. So he's approaching him as a hearing person. A great, yes, yes, yes. And Jesus doesn't know what's going on because he's- not a hearing person yes so it just causes like a lot of tension to rise really quickly because it's like why aren't you listen to me like say something you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. but uh but it's just a misunderstanding and once he realizes oh you're just deaf like then you know the tension's calm but yeah there was some tension at first and there will be again (laughs) oh my god but they're, they're nice for a while. They're friendly for a while. They splish splash. They splish splash. Um, Jesus gets him a potato question mark out of his bag. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it looked like a potato. Both of their penises when they go in the water. Uh-huh. Yeah. They get butt ass naked. They lay on the beach and sun soak, sprawled out naked. 
Yep. Just beautiful nude out in the sun. Two boys being dudes. <laughs> I was I was sick of looking at Dick at this point. <laughs> well, those are the first dicks in the movie. The first naked ones, aren't they? They're long shots, though. We get long <laughs> hanging out, laying on the beach. So when they're laid out naked, yeah. we see the return of the black stork, mm-hmm. which we know is a bird that gets the man, Randy. So... <laughs> He starts spooning with Jesus, which actually St. Anthony is usually depicted in artwork spooning a baby Jesus. So that there is a reference to some artwork. Hell yeah. Why are you chuckling? You said baby Jesus. Well, yeah, usually is baby Jesus. Yeah, so I'm just picturing. It makes no sense in an artistic context either because he lived after Jesus. So it's like, uh, yeah. who knows what's going on here? I just think it's, <laughs> I'm just picturing this character, if this character as were a baby? a baby named Jesus. Well, in a way, you can think of him as a baby because he's like, that's rude. <laughs> no, like that's actually su- no. Like I think they say he's like deaf and dumb or yes, whatever. Yeah, that you know, is what in the many ways intends. He is, yeah, infantile. Yeah, mm-hmm. not great, but like that's that's how he's depicted as like a helpless baby, a yeah. helpless baby. Yeah, a helpless horny baby, a helpless horny baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's his name? Fernando is the uh, big spoon, if you will. And the spoon only gets bigger. <laughs> they start making out, rolling around. It's like a pebble beach. It's not a sand beach. It's... And they're getting little pebbles all over the cheeks. I mean, that's you gotta why... imagine. That was my yeah. realish. That like I, I was like, come on, towel, please. <laughs> Think of your poor butthole. Think of your roll. Like... All the little shifts you have to do while you're I know. In, doing intercourse. Yeah. Not on a beach. Not on a pebble beach. Not on a pebble well, beach I guess not all. on any beach. Sand beach has got to probably also be pretty bad. I just, yeah. But you can see them when they're rolling around with like a thousand little pebbles and dirt things like stuck to their buns. And yeah. Shit. It looked like in deathmatch wrestling when someone lands in tacks and they roll mm. over and there's tacks on their back. It's They're boning except it's little pebbles that's bad this is stupid (laughs) so they got rocks and all the crevies and they do sex and when they're getting their clothes back on jesus has fernando's shirt that gets fernando worked up because all of his stuff is missing right so it's like where did you get my shirt Mm -hmm. do you have my other things namely he's looking for his medicine but he gets so worked up about trying to find the things and the boy doesn't understand because he's deaf. Yep. And so he thinks he's being threatened. He gets out a knife. They kind of roll around and the boy rolls onto the knife. Yeah. And passes away. Yeah. Right after they've had this beautiful moment. Yeah. It's really it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Total just tone change. It's just a, like that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also something interesting I noticed is the placement of where he is stabbed. Yeah. Is uh, very reminiscent of where Jesus Christ famously was <clears throat> was stabbed while he was nailed to the cross by Roman soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um I was like, okay, yeah, you put in a little something for the Catholics. Jesus got stabbed there too, and this character's named Jesus. <laughs> and that, of course, comes back into play later in the movie as well. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. This is where, I mean, things progressively go off the rails. Mm-hmm. But this is like another notable like link lost in tether to reality a reality that we would comprehend or understand yeah because at first he just is like a normal 
guy out for a day with the birds, right? Yeah. And now suddenly he's like, first of all, committing adultery, maybe, mm-hmm. but then secondly, murder. I mean, he's going through all the big ones, right? Don't forget that he was bondaged and pissed on. Yeah. But yeah. But being in bondage and being pissed on aren't like sins. Oh, being pissed on is a mortal sin. (laughs) Ten Commandments or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) If you actually look back, the original translation of the Ninth Commandment is... uh, it's actually pertains to getting pissed on. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, just God didn't like it. <laughs> so he takes the shirt off of this dead body, washes it and puts it on, takes a whistle. And he goes off again, you know, into the woods and stumbles upon a couple of abandoned little houses with a bunch of broken religious statues inside. Yeah. I don't really know what those were supposed to be. It wasn't any specific aspect of Catholicism or faith that I particularly understood like or could relate to this is just a weird further of i don't know it's just weird it's a weird montage (laughs) i don't i really don't know what it was this you know 10 minute scene at some point he does pull out his tape recorder and realizes that the girls had recorded over all of his bird watching stuff as well so even what little of his trip he did have has been erased yeah and more more and more of him becomes erased as the movie goes on we see more of this owl follows him around a lot of the movie watching him we get some back and forth with him in the owl and at some point in the night he wakes up with a dove in the tent who maybe has a broken wing doves are a big thing in religious imagery right oh yeah yeah Yeah. they're fucking everywhere and when he wakes up the dove is out and isn't hurt. He's flying around. When we get the dove's perspective on him in the morning is actually the first time that we see him played by Joao. Oh, It's just a split. Like, it just happens for a second because when we cut back to his perspective, he's normal again. He's Mm -hmm. me. So I think you even, you kind of have to really be paying attention to even catch it weirdly, even though it's like a totally different guy. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. And it's interesting when you think of... uh, So starting around a little before this time, when we start to get a lot of birds watching him a lot, you have to think of like his whole job as an ornithologist, right, is to observe birds' behaviors and evolutionary development. Yeah. And now the birds are kind of also observing his behaviors and evolutionary development. And the more and more this dove and this owl keep watching him because they keep popping up around here, the more and more quickly he's evolving until eventually he actually fully evolves into a totally different guy physically and spiritually, I guess. Yeah. But I just think it's interesting how they kind of traded roles a little bit, him and the birds. Yeah. I didn't think about that. The observer becomes the observed. Is that your <laughs> Werner Herzog? I don't know. I don't know who that was. <laughs> Sometimes I just be pulling out shit. Uh, I realized earlier today that I've been doing a reference to David S. Pumpkins for a long time and did not know that that's what I was referencing. <laughs> oh, what were you doing? Which, oh, I wonder if David S. Pumpkins Any is Any so questions? Yeah. <laughs> You ever just do a reference so long that you kind of forget where it even came from or don't even know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what was I saying? (laughs) (laughs) So after this, when he carries on, he's in the woods with all these taxidermied animals everywhere. And we're getting lots of creature noises, but none of these creatures that we're seeing are alive. Yeah. I don't really know what that's about. 
necessarily. They're all taxidermied. Yeah, there's like lions, giraffes, there's wolves, etc. We've we've fucking we've been to the pond at this point, right? Is this the pond? No. <laughs> what the fuck? We're almost there. <laughs> well, it makes sense with the goddamn pond. <laughs> okay, should I get us to the pond? Yeah, get us keep us going. Okay, so he keeps hiking. The dove finds him again. He throws his phone at the dove. That's when he finds the human skull. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right next to his medicine. I think after this. This is when he goes to the river, dumps all his medicine, throws all his identifying documents and keys into the river. Taylor Swift, the old me has died moment. <laughs> and, and yeah, and that's when the koi fish are there that he dreamed about. But yeah, he preaches to the fish. Yeah, he talks about specific to Noah's Ark, talks about flooding and living during a flood. And the only reason that makes sense in regards to all the other animals Again, I don't know if this means shit, but, like, in a flood, all of those animals would be dead, right? Those are all land Mm -hmm. mammals. Birds, they were flying. The bird was alive. Bird would live through a flood. But all those animals would die in a flood. Mm. The koi would live through a flood. I don't know if it means anything, but that's the vibe of this movie. It's just, like, does that mean something or... Okay, yeah. So we're saying, like, sort of in this world is having a little flood moment right now mm-hmm. and yeah so all those animals that he passed yeah that's why they're taxidermied and not living and the yeah. only living animals we see are birds and fish bingo interesting this is also a reference to a specific story of saint anthony preaching to the fish mm-hmm. basically people weren't listening to him preach so he went down to the shore and started to preach at the water's edge until a great crowd of fish was seen gathered before him. And uh, all the people of the town flocked to see all these fish looking at him preach, to which he replied, the fish are more receptive to my message than y'all, basically. And then they finally would listen to him preach. There are so (laughs) many fucking stories in Catholicism that are that exact same bullshit, just in different forms. It's just like... Sounds like none of you are listening to the gospel. Ever heard of it, folks? It's just like (laughs) every saint dies. These fish are open to Jesus's message. Okay, why aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. Every saint dies because they were like, they're all missionaries. So they all like go to non-Christian places and are like, hey, if you don't follow this, you're going to fucking die, you monsters. And then the natives kill the saint and like, saints like all right bye guess you're not ready for this the fish are though it's stupid <laughs> shut the fuck up and after this is when he also burns off his fingerprints that was pretty badass fully wilderness boy now yeah right after that is when we get the three topless horseback hunter ladies riding up which is also a reference to a specific painting, Diana by Theodore Bonenberger. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Bonenberger? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So it's hard to know what's reality at this point in time. Yeah, because that would never happen. <laughs> well, yeah, that would never happen. Also, the way he plays with where this movie is set in time is kind of interesting too and i think he uses time periods time pieces uh references to specific things kind of in the same way that we saw in the love witch 
So these women who are on horseback speak Latin, but they're also wearing like contemporary trousers and footwear, but they're also using bows and arrows. Like they're kind of time wise all over the board. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's kind of unclear where we are in time ever. And this movie also only one cell phone. (laughs) But yeah, so I think he uses time stuff in an artistic way as well. Yeah. Just kind of cool. And so yeah, these ladies are hunting an antelope, we think. But then they shoot this man in the tummy and do a warrior pound on the chest. But then he wakes up and they say, oh, you were just sleeping out here. So maybe that was a little dream. Yep. We don't really know what's going on here, I think. (laughs) Yep. I wrote, this is too hard for me to get. (laughs) At this point, I'm just in full like, all right, let's see where this goes. Because I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, anything can happen now. Yeah. And they do ask him. Like, do you want us to take you somewhere? And he says no. Yeah. He is like fully letting go more and more of his uh, normal self, I guess. Sure. And, um, you know, evolving. And when they're talking, we see the dove again. And the woman says, he's waiting for you, Anthony. He says, but my name's Fernando. And she says, have a good day, Anthony. So it is kind of like... He's Antonio now, right? <laughs> when we get the dove's perspective again, he's Joao. So he's changed again. So we're kind of getting flashes of Joao coming out or or St. Anthony or whatever you want to say <laughs> coming out from inside of him. And moments later, he's fully Joao. That's when he finds the dead Carietto with a stab hole in his stomach in the same position that we saw earlier. And he fingers that stab hole, Ugh, I which hate- is also... <laughs> it's a reference to a specific painting, yeah. The Incredulity of St. Thomas by Caravaggio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very famously in the Bible, after Jesus was resurrected, all of his apostles were hyped as fuck, except Thomas, who didn't believe it could happen. That's where the phrase doubting Thomas comes from. And when he finally came face to face with Jesus, Jesus said, I'm real, look at me, put your basically like finger me wounds, matey. Uh, finger finger my hole yeah basically asking him to get like see this thing in my side see my stigmatas like yeah and you know what every now and then like a saw type movie will do something like this where they Uh have a close-up of someone like sticking their finger or something into a wound like this and into someone else's hole yeah i don't like it's just very I get it is uns- purposefully unsettling, but... There was a big <laughs> scene like that in Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, hate that shit. Yeah, it's nasty. And when he takes the mask off, it looks like Jesus. Yep. And he gets CPR'd back to life, at which point we find out that it's not Jesus, but it's Thomas, Jesus's twin, who can speak now. Well, could always speak. Maybe he's his twin. And claims to have died last night playing with knives with my friends. <laughs> Same. The boy's basically like, why'd you resurrect me and not my brother? Mm-hmm. Saint Anthony, a.k.a. Fernando Evolved, basically says when the spirit inhabits you, it changes you and you have to let it. And I'm here to prove that I'm no longer the man I used to be. And I'm here to right the wrong that I committed in killing your brother. Yeah. And this is also all happening during a lunar eclipse. Yes. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> 
I don't know. You don't know what a lunar eclipse is? I, I know what it is, but like... Oh. Lunar eclipse kind of signify a time to embrace endings and let go of things that are no longer serving you. This scene really is the end of what was left of Fernando and the beginning of what's going to be St. Anthony. New year, new me. Yeah. New year, new me. Exactly. We do see Thomas mm-hmm. cut his neck. Fernando's neck. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of both of their neck because they're the same person and it cuts back and forth between their faces. We had some crazy oh, smoke yeah, yeah, effects. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So I think that that is like the final death of the old him mm-hmm. to where now he's just going to be the new him, St. Anthony. After death, mm-hmm. we see him and Tomas walking down the street. They finally get to the city. They're walking down the street. They see the Chinese girls on the other side of the road mm-hmm. who say, hello, Ant- Antonio. Finally, you found your path. And yeah. uh, the, the two boys hold hands and walk down the road. They're heading into uh, Padua. So yeah. famously, St. Anthony is... St. Anthony of Padua. Mm-hmm. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid saints. I hate them. Stupid saints, but ending of the movie, what's your thoughts? I mean, it, it's coherent in a sense. Mm-hmm. This movie does have the, the themes are the through line. Uh, the yeah. vibes are the through line. and I guess uh, if you're thinking of it as his autobiographical story as well, then it is also like the guy who played Fernando was the young ornithologist him, right? And once he evolves, then he has now grown him both metaphorically and physically. Yeah, absolutely. And this movie is about his journey to growing into him as well. Definitely. So the end of the movie, he's him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the ending's solid. It wraps it up nicely. That's it. What do you want from me? (laughs) So what are we going to rate this out of five? We've rolled the creds. Roll creds. I have an interesting issue with this movie Hmm. that only spurned up because of this podcast of this recording oh no what there's so much of this movie that makes it so much more interesting like so much of this movie and it it makes it make sense if you do all of this background research Mm -hmm. it is a movie that is made for you in the sense that there is a buttload of research to be done (laughs) and it informs so much of the movie and i think that is very cool it's it's like putting Easter eggs out for people and and for for someone who who is excited who is into doing research about movies and really getting into the nitty gritty of it. That's outstanding. Me personally, I don't love that. It's a yeah. little like, uh, no, this is this is your art. Like this is your chance to get things across to me. Don't give me home. I don't. I'm not going to do homework. But also, I don't think that there was much that you felt like you were missing. Like, you didn't know what you didn't know. No, you know no, what I mean? not at all. It certainly adds a lot to know, but without knowing, I still think the movie's enjoyable. Like, I didn't oh, know all this the first time I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does not detract anything for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, I'm sitting with it now and I'm just kind of like, I don't You're know. You're overwhelmed by it all. <laughs> it's, it's, I wouldn't say I'm overwhelmed as much as I, I don't know why my feeling is like anger at it. <laughs> uh, because I, I guess because I'm reading it as like kind of exclusionary, but it's not because it's not necessary. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, I give it three and a half stars, baby. I like this movie. Okay. I am going to go four and a half. Hell yeah. I love this movie. I loved it the first time I watched it when I knew none of this shit. And I loved it again the second time I bought it on DVD because I love it and I want to watch it more times. I find it just so, I find it so pleasant to watch. Really? 
Yeah. <laughs> I would. That, wow. I. It's so chill. <laughs> almost everything you've said about that this movie, I'm like, yeah, I can't disagree. Like it is, it's incredibly like beautiful. Blah blah blah. This is not like a chill Sunday. Oh, it's just like an easy day, man. We're gonna hang out, watch this guy get tied up in bondage, get pissed mm-hmm. on. Fucking yeah. like there are aspects. There are times in the movie that are chill. I love it. The last third of the, the of the movie though is like it's a train going off the rails. <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, I think it's Hell yeah. yeah. It's not only gorgeous. I've already said I love these movies with this like sort of meditative pacing where you get to exist with the character and kind of just just vibing with the character yeah. for a while. I think that rocks the art of it. I mean, just all of it's really beautiful. And then there's just, there's, you know, some queer aspects. Obviously, that's uh, of my interests. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And being like a little fucked up, also of my interest. Yeah. I I just really enjoy this movie. (laughs) Hell yeah. Four and a half. All right. Would we recommend? I say yes, obviously. Uh, I would say yes. You're getting into some. You're going on a ride. Uh-huh. Like, it's a lot. I think it's just a beautiful movie to take in. Yeah, it is. Yeah, a lot of care in it. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. Now it's time for Scream Vomit. Okay, what else have we been watching? Kali, what you watching? Well, I'm back on my ish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm back watching Criterion-ish. Okay. Uh, after completely falling off. But I watched uh, The Insect Woman from 1963. You know what? It was real weird. Man, I don't know why I wanted to even bring it up. I don't know if I'd recommend watching it. <laughs> it's weird. It's brutal. It's sad. It was good. It was three stars. I watched... The Seventh Seal, directed by Ingmar Bergman from 1957. And that baby is some good shit. I love it. It is a lot of white dude philosophy bullshit about (laughs) God and not like questioning the existence of God and coping with mortality. You love that shit. Oh, yeah. But it's outstanding. Like, I. I, Poster's scary. It's not scary. It does look scary. It stars uh, Max von Sandow, or Sidow, rather, who you will know from many things. <laughs> Seventh Seal is fucking outstanding, though. If, if, if you know, you know. If you've seen Bill and Ted's bogus journey, you will have an extra connection to it, as I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill and Ted's excellent, or Bo- Bill and Ted's bogus journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, took uh, influence from the Seventh Seal. You know, uh, I don't think I've ever seen an Ingmar Bergman movie at all. This is my second one, and I I love this shit. I'm going hard on Bergman. I mean, I know he's like one of the most like he's a very revered director. Yeah, right? yeah. Just all of his movies have been on my list. Never yeah. done. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> Aguirre. Aguirre. <laughs> The Wrath of God, directed by Werner Herzog from 1972. Hmm. This movie is upsetting. This is an (laughs) upsetting movie uh, that is, it's bopping. It's like 90 some minutes, Uh 93 minutes. It's a quick one, but it's like all about fucking Spanish conquistadors in the mountains of Peru, like on a fruitless mission to find El Dorado. And there's just so much death. 
and slavery and like my man loves some dark topic yes like Mm -hmm. any herzog movie it it is outstanding and just so dark as hell and depressing (laughs) it's it's so much it weighs so heavily okay Mm -hmm. the other night Lindsay and i popped on a movie called grand isle from 2019 Starring Nick Cage. I'm listening. This I'm is listening. Nick Cage doing just like this shoots how many days? Can we, you know, <laughs> shorten it down a little bit if I go nuttier? Uh, <laughs> he looks just... rough on the poster. <laughs> and the other, the thing is, though, the movie pretty good. The ending kind of kind of wonky. Not like it doesn't stick the landing perfectly, but overall, mm. it is far better than it has any right to be. I think it is better if you enjoy. Wild Nick Cage. I mean, who doesn't? If you oh, like Nick coworker. Cage, come on. What? I have these two coworkers who are like, oh, Nick Cage, any Nick Cage movie, he's always just overacting, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that's the fun part. Are you guys morons? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's nutty as fuck in this. He's got a, a, a wandering accent. I loved it. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. And finally, uh, yesterday, I watched another round uh, the 2020 mm, okay, film with uh, Mads Mikkelsen mm-hmm. about four high school teachers launch a drinking experiment upholding a constant low level of intoxication. And what do you think? As someone who doesn't drink and has a bad relationship with alcohol, it's fine now. Uh, I fucking loved it. I adored this movie. Really? It goes so much more beyond. Gl- it's not glorification of alcohol. I didn't read it as that. I read mm. it as one. I miss hanging out with my friends so much. Because the sure. fun that these, like, four friends have together just, like, pallying around these, like, four guys in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s. Guys just, being dudes. I love it. I just, <laughs> it, and it reminded me, it made me really look back upon my own, like, fun, drunken nights in my, like, early mm-hmm. 20s, late teens, early 20s. And, like, those rules. You mean you're over 21 ages? Oh, yeah, those ones, too. (laughs) But, like, holy shit, like, my 22nd birthday, which you were at, Mm. a fun night just going to bars, walking around streets, having a a nice relaxing, not relaxing, but just having, like, I don't know, a a young, innocent time, it felt like. Yeah. Um, We can have young, innocent times again. Yeah, but I feel this movie captured captured it very well. It's very fun. Mm. It's very sweet and endearing, and it's uh, all then it's genuine. Is how I'd ca- classify it. Outstanding. That's cool. I thought about um, you know somebody suggested that we put that on our list, and I said no because <laughs> because sure. of both of our relationships with alcohol. Yeah. I didn't think it would be maybe something that we would enjoy. Although I did hear good things about it i you know a lot of people have a different relationship with alcohol than either of us do yeah so uh that's cool to hear that it actually that doesn't matter it's interesting like if it were made in america it would suck this movie Mm. would totally suck it's all because yeah i guess that makes sense just because of the american relationship with alcohol versus a lot of other places and like uh, that's not to say these guys don't get rowdy and like you know belligerently drunk and get hurt and stuff like that happens but it's not i don't know it's not fucking ashton kutcher or like (laughs) that's a bad weird example Uh, if they made a drunk movie it'd be the only boy you can think of (laughs) seth rogan is is the weed guy so who's the drunk guy it's like they did this with like jason sudeikis and owen wilson who's the guy from american pie 
Oh Not my God, Jason guy. Biggs. No, Stifler. <laughs> <laughs> Sean William Scott. I love Sean him. William Scott. I just watch. Well, we'll get to it. I just okay. watched a movie he was in, but <laughs> highly I recommend another round. What have you been watching? Oh, it's my turn now. Yeah. Okay, so I actually weirdly listed mine in ascending order from starting from the one I enjoyed watching the least to most. <laughs> so this week. For my 90s horror club, we watched Final Destination, the original. (laughs) Hell yeah, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Obviously holds a lot of nostalgia for me. But as far as like, is it a quote unquote good movie? Like, you know, no, probably not. Uh, it leaves a lot of uh, questions unanswered, you know. But they really went for it. And uh, I still love it. It doesn't really matter if it's good or not. It's so nostalgic for me i loved those movies when i was younger and i remember so many of the death scenes so vividly even though i hadn't rewatched that for like 15 something years mm-hmm. still fun so whatever fun. <laughs> you're dead you're all dead and then the train rolls over ruins yeah. over the metal sheet oh uh, that movie invented the the shock death you know <laughs> the, it's, like out of nowhere like for never making a movie better than three stars in, like, a six-film series, <laughs> they made a huge impact. They did. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, we've talked about before, like, how I don't remember. I've seen so many movies in my life. I don't remember that many specific scenes like that. But no. I remember a lot of the deaths specifically from the Final Destination series Yeah, all these years later. And I think that that has to say something. You Big know. ups to the final destiny. And you got Allie Larder in it. Uh, notorious racist, yeah. Oh, is she notoriously <laughs> racist? <laughs> she got a black guy fired off of a show she was on because she refused to uh, have sex with him or whatever. Or like to be ah. romantically involved with his character because he was black. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying you got Devin Sawa. Okay. Okay. Shut the hell up. <laughs> You're always talking about Devin Sawa. Yeah. And what about it? <laughs> <laughs> Young Devin Sawa. The man's changed these days, but has he came up on my Twitter? I don't remember. He doesn't look a thing like he used to. Oh, I don't really know what's happening. His looks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Did you know? Okay, side note. They made SLC Punk two in twenty sixteen. I had no idea. You had Crowd no idea. Funded. Seriously? No. How did I not know about this? Uh, yeah. It was a everyone. Everyone on Facebook was just like, "Ugh, do you see that? There's they're gonna make it." Like, I think it was maybe uh crowdsourced, crowdfunded. Or it something. was, yeah. And yeah. people kept sharing the link, just being like. Why the fuck are they doing this? <laughs> it has terrible reviews, but I think I have to watch it now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like... I didn't know it existed. What? I was just like, what's he up to these days? Look at his thing, and it's like SLC Punk 2. What? Get out of town. The man uh, stayed busy, though. He's acting and shit all the time. Desaw? Mm-hmm. I don't yep. know what, but he's got shit on his IMDb for every year, so... <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Okay, number two. <laughs> I watched this movie, Parting Glances, which is a uh, a gay 80s movie. It has gay mm. 80s Buscemi, Steve Buscemi, playing okay. a gay man in the 80s. His character has AIDS. It's kind of like a, a, a romance story. Buscemi, I mean, chef's kiss, he made the movie for me. The rest of it was a little flat, I think. Yeah. And there was really, the ending was just kind of abrupt. There's no resolution. So mm-hmm. overall, as a movie, it's not great, but I loved Buscemi in it. 
uh, parting glances. Okay, number three. I watched the movie Mommy, 2014 oh, movie. Oh, hell yeah. Have I haven't you seen, seen it. No, no. On the list okay. for a long time, though. Yeah, it was on my list for a long time, too. Very cool stylistic choices. The mm-hmm. main actor, super, super good. Just incredible. Movie made me ugly cry. <laughs> it was sad. Upsetting. Uh, oh, yeah. Good. Good movie. <laughs> Excellent. I felt the beginning was slow, but it's almost necessary to get the emotional impact of the last third or whatever. Yeah, So. Yeah. I forgive it for being a little slow at the beginning. Okay, number four. Other people. I'd never seen this movie. I feel like I'm late on it just because it's so my shit. Do you know this movie? No, no. It has Jesse Plemons, who you hate, I think. <laughs> oh, I love he's an outstanding actor. Uh-huh. Don't quote me on this, but like picking up the baton where Philip Seymour Hoffman left off level good. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But unbearably, I cannot stand his face. <laughs> Like, such a fucking rat-faced goon. Oh, don't be rude. I'm so, like, I, he's, I know, I don't, he's good. I hope, I wish yeah. literally nothing but success for him. It stars him, it also has Molly Shannon. It's written by Chris Kelly, who created this show I liked, and I think I brought up a long time ago, probably over a year ago on pod, called The Other Two. Chris Kelly was a writer for SNL. He's a comedian. Well, he's a comedic writer. So there's a whole bunch of comedians that I love in this as well. They even do a scene at UCB. <laughs> like a, they go to an improv show and there's mm-hmm. like all these improv comedians that are really popular there. It's like sort of a comedy, but it is about, it's like a, a sort of autobiographical movie about Chris Kelly. His mom died of cancer. <laughs> so okay. the movie is like, Molly Shannon dying of cancer. (laughs) Uh, And that's not a spoiler. It like she dies at the beginning and they go back and show like when she was alive to dying. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it's like a pretty sad story, but it's also there's a lot of comedy in it. But it was another cry movie. So I've been crying this week. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) But it was very good. Hell yeah. That's on Netflix too. And then lastly. Yeah. Oh, okay. I watched... An incredible movie. The kind of movie that gives you butterflies in your tummy just because it's so good and cool. Okay. Uh, this movie, Angst. Uh, I think the the English name is Fear, but that's the German name, and you can look it up by that on Tubi mm-hmm. for free. It's from 1983. It is a super like art house uh, horror mm-hmm. sort of slasher movie. I hesitate to call it a slasher because it's not really like any other slashers I've ever seen. It's based on a true story of a real serial killer, but it's not a serial killer I've ever heard of, so I don't know. But the cinematography in this movie, oh my god. Yeah? It's insane. I, it got me so hyped. I want to tear up a little just thinking about it. (laughs) This guy who did the cinematography, I've looked him up and I started watching, he has a whole bunch of shorts. Mm -hmm. His name is uh, Super Polish. Zbigniew Rybczynski? I think that's how you say it. Anyway, he's incredible. He's visionary. Um, I mean, just I read things of other people talking about him, just like nobody knows cameras, film techniques more than this guy. Nobody studied it as much as him. He created his own devices to like make really cool shots. Uh, it got me so hyped. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah. It was so cool. And if you're a person like me, uh, who's a big dork and loves to know background info on movies and productions and stuff like that, there is info to be found. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
It's very cool. Also, I bought the Blu-ray, and it has like so many cool features. Uh, it has an intro from Gaspar Noe, or oh, how wow. you say his name, yeah. who like says it's one of the coolest movies of all time. Damn. I can't believe that I'd never heard of this movie, even, uh, until I heard of it Friday morning. I watched it Friday night. I bought it Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> and I read about it all weekend and watched a bunch of Zavignev's shorts all weekend because I was so... It's so cool. It's yeah. so cool. Okay. Angst. Angst yeah. is what it looks like. On the list. So that's what I've been watching. Everybody watch Angst, please. It's just very good. And tell me if you do. <laughs> I don't know anybody else who's seen it. So I got a, a, a mutual on Letterboxd who's seen it. Oh, yeah? Gave, gave it four stars and said, weird shit. It is weird shit. That's for sure. And it is, it is kind of violent. I mean, hey. there's only a couple deaths, but they're pretty... They're kind of violent. Whew, and that <laughs> runtime? Short. 75 minutes? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Hell yeah. Okay, so that's what I've been watching. Before yeah. we get to plugs, we actually had a a listener question, a question from a normal. A what? <laughs> so we had a question from a normal, and the question is, what's your Desert Island movie? Uh, you sent me this last night, and you were like, hey, I'm, I'm letting you know this now so you can know tomorrow. And I was like... I'm not going to figure that out now. And I didn't. <laughs> and I tell you what, I, I've come to this moment, and my answer is uh, Spirited Away. Oh, uh, yeah. Miyazaki Spirited Away would be my Desert Island movie. It, it is one of my favorite movies. It's not even my favorite Miyazaki movie, but it's my Desert Island movie because I feel there's so fucking much in it. I feel like I could spend a lot of, lot of, lot of time with that movie and never grow tired of it. And I could really mm. dig and chew into some of the different... I mean, there's so many just unique background characters, for one. Just literally drawn in several, you know, one or two frames kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go with Spirited Away. What are you, okay. what are you shooting with? I think depending on when you ask me, my answer would probably change. As always. <laughs> yep. Yeah. If you ask me tomorrow, but, I'll have a different answer. Sure. At the moment, after thinking about it for a, a couple of days... I think that I would go with Buzzard, actually. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I'd say, can I bring the DVD with the special oh features? And I get... <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think similarly that because, I mean, something I love about their movie, the Sob Noise movies, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> talked about them to damn death. But uh, <laughs> something I love about their movies is that there is so much... They're so tight. They spend so much time honing them down that everything is so tight and there's so much detail involved that they also are movies I think you can watch over and over and over again and pick out something new every time, right? Totally. Like you can, a new joke will hit you the third time watching the movie that you didn't even pay attention to the first two times because there's so many other jokes, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, something in the background or whatever, some detail uh, I, yeah, I think their movies are just ones that you can watch over and over and over again. That movie in particular, I think is so funny. Hell it yeah. also has cool tunes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, something else I like about watching their movies is um, that it feels like hanging with my people, you know? Yeah, totally. And if you're alone on a desert island, I think that's a feeling you'd want to have. And uh, so that's why I picked Buzzard. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. That's our desert island flakes. Okay. Hell yeah. All right, you can find us, you know where, on Instagram, everywhere else, 
at Screen Vomit, one word on all the things. Give us a subscribe if you haven't already. And if you'd like, if you're very nice, you'll leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. Uh, it's simply the nice thing to do. You can also send us an email at ScreenVomitPod at gmail.com or tweet us with your thoughts on this movie or other movies or suggest a movie. Hey, if you want to hear me talk about labor and unions and bullshit like that, I got a podcast called How to Fire Your Boss. It's up now on all the stuff. Hell yeah. And next week, we'll be watching the movie Prince Avalanche, which is basically everywhere for free it's on canopy Tubi, voodoo amazon prime all those things probably more places too yeah so check out that movie prince avalanche and uh say, tell me happy birthday <laughs> okay happy birthday. that's all for us <laughs> bye bye <laughs>